Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast, brought to you by HarperCollins Publishers. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Hi, it's Lainey from the Library Love Fest marketing team, and today we are so glad you tuned into the podcast because we have a wonderful guest. We have Linda Cohen. She's the sales director of Booklist. Hi, Linda. Hi, Lainey. How are you? I'm wonderful. So Linda and I in Virginia were all on the phone the other day. We were talking about book clubs. We got on the topic of book clubs, and Linda runs some really great ones. I think you've you know historically had some great book clubs, and you have one that's meeting right now. So we decided what better way to connect libraries and librarians to great book clubs and how to start their own than interviewing a book club. So we're going to interview your book club. They are very, very excited about the whole prospect of it. <laughs> so they have a cool name. What are their name? What's your name? We are called the Zumbets. And the reason the name formed is that we originally, five years ago, all went to a newly formed Zumba class for 55 years and older. It's called Zumba Gold. And slowly, we started to become friends. Our instructor, Amy Olin, encouraged it by having twice a year holiday parties and springtime lunches. And little by little, we started to realize that we had a lot in common. And we'd go to lunch. We still go to lunch now religiously almost every Friday after Zumba. Uh, the class meets twice a week. And the book club evolved from there. That's wonderful. I love that name. That's so fun. So um, that's kind of the origin, you guys. What made you want to do a book club, though? If you're doing Zumba and you're having lunch, but what what made you want to do a book club? Well, at one of these lunches, we started talking about some of the book clubs we've been in in the past. We started talking about some of the clubs that some of the women are actually still in. And we were complaining about the fact that a lot of them fell apart or the ones they're in are not satisfying to a lot of the people in them because we like talking about the book. And when we go to these meetings, it's lovely. We all chit chat, they drink wine, but they use that the book almost as an excuse to get together versus the main star of the meeting. And we really like talking about the book, going in depth about it, talking about the characters. And we decided, well, let's start our own club. And that's how we originally started it. We started with 11 people. We still have 11. And it's closed right now because we don't want to be too unwieldy. But it's been um, growing. It's been two years now. And we've, we just love it. It's something we look forward to uh, once a month that we, um, that we do a book. You two years and all eleven people still come. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it depends on schedule. Sometimes, yeah. but in general, it, it, in general, that's a great retention rate. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I know you're all friends, but that's really great. You know, people, life happens, but a uh, 11 people to do scheduling and all of that for two years. That's wonderful. Yeah, the scheduling some of the hardest parts of the gathering, that's for sure. Yeah. So you all knew each other from this class. Do people bring other people in or is it all people from this class? No, it's just people from this class and it's closed to others because we have formed this group that is so comfortable with each other and we can be so honest with each other and not worry about insulting people by saying, I think you're crazy, or I don't think that's the way to look at things. And it's just, I think the reason we retain everybody is it's because we can feel confident in what we want to say and don't feel intimidated by anybody. Yeah. So how do you choose the book that you're going to read each month? Well, actually, you know, we started by thinking we were going to be a democracy. And we would actually, I was the leader, myself and Susan Berger, who um, started this club together. Um, and I would email everybody with a list of ideas that others would send to me. And then I'd have to keep a spreadsheet and start keeping track of who said this book's okay, who said that book's okay. It went on for about a year and it was just exhausting. And we started seeing that, you know, sometimes the same book type was always being chosen because it was just easier. So we just recently shook it up and now we have the book club once a month in someone's home. That person becomes the leader for that book club and they get to select the book. And in this way, it forces us to read things we may not have chosen or wanted to read. It takes us a little bit out of our comfort zone, but it's also opened up a world of wonderful conversations with book club people and insights that we may not have been able to see or share if we hadn't pushed ourselves to read a book out of a genre that we weren't comfortable with. Yeah, with 11 people, I can imagine if someone's not a fan of one genre or maybe doesn't like reading another, it, it would be hard to cater to everyone's taste. So how do you find a book that goes with everyone's taste and the genre favorites? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think we almost don't care when it's you're the host. Yeah. If you like a certain book, like I love classics. However, I haven't done it yet, but I will as we get closer to usually Christmas time. I like doing classics around then. I'm going to choose that when I'm the host. And others may not have thought about that and may not have wanted to read a classic. So they'll respect the fact it's my choice. We'll go into the story and I'll explain the reasons I chose it. And that's how we do each ish each month. Somebody wanted something recently on kibbutzes in Israel and we all looked at each other. It's like, really? But it turned out to be a fascinating story that none of us would have picked up on our own. So I think, again, the fact that we do have this freedom as host to decide the type of book, if we've had too many um, slice of life books, as we call them, and somebody wants a biography, that's great. That's their choice. So it really gives us a good variety throughout the year. Yeah. So it's kind of like you can't complain because your turn's coming. Yeah. And yeah. I actually find, we all find that when you have a book that you don't like necessarily, it opens it up to very good conversations. Yeah. You step out of your comfort zone. 
Exactly. Yeah. So can you introduce a few people in the group, maybe give us some examples of what people like to read? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, I can start with myself if you'd like. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Um, I've had a sales career in publishing, uh, launching business to business magazines and working with top consumer publications. I actually currently have my own company and for the past 10 years have been selling ad space for Booklist, which is a reviewer's guide for libraries. On a personal level, I've been married for 37 years and have two daughters, both married within the last two years. And I personally love reading classics, historical fiction, fiction, biographies, and romance, pretty much almost anything. Um, there's Joanna, who is has a background that includes a financial career on Wall Street and a college professor, and now she's currently an interior designer. Joanna is married and has one son and a grandchild, a grandson. She likes nonfiction, biographies of interesting people, especially. The next person is Susan W. There'll be two Susans, so we'll distinguish them. And she's been a human resource administrator conducting investigations, drug testing, fingerprinting. She's now retired. Uh, she's married 52 years with three grandkids, and she's now a volunteer for Make-A-Wish Foundation. And her favorite books are historical novels. The next person's Marion, and she was a teacher, a computer consultant, a recruiter, and an HR. And now she's currently a real estate agent. <laughs> she, she always said, if you live as long as she has, you can have many careers. She's married for 35 years with one son, and she likes fiction that's well-written and challenging to the reader. Now, Pat was a crisis intervention social worker, and she's now retired doing pet therapy with horses and volunteering as a wish grantor with Make-A-Wish Foundation. She's a widow who has two children and three great-grandkids. She likes romance, mysteries, and general books with happy endings. Now, Madeline is sort of like a glue for a lot of us. She's right now happily retired after a corporate career first in marketing and later in organizational development. And she's loved reading always. She was a lit major and she read fiction and different genres as long as the characters have some depth and the book has a voice that quickly drew her in. She hates spending time on a story that seems superficial or trite. And she'll be vocal about it at the book club. Um, Karen also recently retired, and she was EVP and general counsel for Avis um, Rental, and the first female that worked there for 28 years. Uh, she's been married 42 years with two children. Um, her favorite type of books, historical fiction, because she likes researching the period and reading a personal perspective through the characters living in the times. She prefers learning something through pleasure reading and being moved by the characters. Uh, the second Susan of the group, Susan B., is a retired early childhood teacher. She taught nursery school through third grade for 20 years and then remedial reading to young children. She appreciates words, language, and stories and participates in two groups, enjoying reading historical fiction and mysteries. Ricky. It's very interesting. She's Israeli-American, and she served in the IDF and an officer in the Israeli Air Force. 
and has a great perspective on the book we're going to read because of her military training. She's now a recent retired business executive and grandmother of two and a half grandchildren, and she likes historical fiction. And finally, the last person who won't be able to join us is Penny. And I'm mentioning her because she's been a part of this group from the start. She's a retired school teacher with grandchildren and actually one of the strongest women I know. And that's a synopsis of who we are and what we like. You really have a wide array of uh, people and different backgrounds coming and joining together. It's really wonderful to see everyone bringing all of their different experiences to this book club. You know, I find, um, and this will be a little philosophical here, but I find that the reason I think we all bonded because it's not usual for people our age to have bonded so closely and so quickly, is that all of us were working women and working parents. And we didn't have a chance to actually form that extensive network of neighborhood friends. And as we're now older and we're retiring and we're empty nesters, I think we were all looking to fill the void that others in our community have their networks, but we didn't have ours. And I think this group has sort of filled that void. And that's why we do so many things together, not just book club. I mean, we go to the botanical gardens, museums, plays. We are actually going to a spa together. And interestingly enough, this group is so, so different that we were just filmed recently for a local TV station and a local newspaper is coming to cover our class next week. Wow. Yeah, it's a very interesting group. Yeah, I think sometimes that makes the best groups when you you might not have a lot in common, but you have that one shared interest or that one need to be heard and hear people. That's a great way to put it. You're right. Yeah. So once you've decided on the book, you each take your turns. Whoever's going to host comes up with a book. You get there. How do you get the book before you go? First of all, we we have to choose a book that the libraries particularly have a lot of copies available. So we usually go on the website in advance and check how many books are available. The books are usually uh, about a year old because that makes it accessible quickly to be able to um, be in line to take out that book. Some will download books on their tablets. Some will buy the book in bookstores, the old traditional way, and also um, buy the book on their Kindles. Yeah, that makes sense. But a lot of people get it from the library as well. Yeah, no, the library is definitely the first the first choice for most of the people that we work with. And they libraries also allow you to download books. So a lot take out the hard copy and others will try to download the book from the library. Oh, nice. Okay, so you get to the meeting, you have your book from the library, bookstore, etc. How does the meeting flow? What do you guys do? Well, we can't have a meeting without food. <laughs> so we start out with snacks. And in the past, we've all volunteered to bring a variety of munchies. We claim to have healthy snacks, but honestly, Chocolate popcorn doesn't quite qualify, but that somehow makes it every time. Uh, We then, for the first half hour or so, all talk, catch up on each other's lives. And then we delve into the book with the host as the leader of the conversation. When we're done talking about the book, we have to sum it up with coffee and cake. 
So the club usually runs about, I don't know, from 7 to 9, 9.30, sometimes a little later, depending on the conversation. But the bulk of the meeting is always the book. And how do you get the momentum going? What if there's a lag in conversation or maybe a disagreement in opinions? You know, I can when I when I think about it, I don't think we've ever had a real lull. And the host actually is responsible to have done research about the book, about the author, talk about it. And if there is a lull, that's when the host steps in and asks another question to ignite more conversation. Oh, that's that's a good idea. So they kind of control the room. Exactly. So what have you learned throughout these two years with your book club? What worked? What didn't? Any advice for people who want to start a book club? I really think that the reason I've been at about four book clubs over time, and it all starts out very uh, much um, a lot of excitement about the types of books, reading the books, talking about it, but then it falls off into more socializing. And I really like talking about a book. So a couple of clubs have dissolved over that. Some book clubs meet in restaurants. Um, It started becoming too much of a expensive situation for some members. So that fell apart. Uh, There's a lot of different things that worked and didn't work. Sometimes people decided they didn't like the type of group that was it was evolving into. So they left and formed other groups. So I think what works and what doesn't work is that you all have to respect the rules, meaning we really do want to talk about the book, but we also share our lives and we know that. But when we share our lives, we'll do that at lunch or we'll meet and talk in other places. And when we're at the book club, this is really one of our goals to really just push our mind, force ourselves to think and talk and relate to what we're doing and with each other. And when we argue, it's okay as long as we can respect each other. That's wonderful. Well, I'm really excited for everyone to hear the discussion that goes on. The book that you have chosen this month is a HarperCollins book from William Morrow paperbacks list. Um, it's called Beyond the Point by Claire Gibson, and it comes out um, on April 2nd. And it also has a library hardcover edition with a PS section. So wonderful for book clubs. I'm excited to hear everyone's conversation. I think, um, you know, that's special to, to listen in on someone who's read it so closely and has all of these thoughts and they get to come together and talk about it. No, thank you. And we are very much looking forward to sharing all our thoughts as well. Wonderful. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Lainey. And now we can actually talk. <laughs> I guess I'll say welcome to the Zubets Book Club, right? How's that? Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna we gotta throw some personality yeah. in here now, right? Should we, should we maybe dick get up and dance? Should we get up? <laughs> that might be. All right. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's great that we all had a chance to get together for our monthly book meeting of the Zoombet Book Club, and uh, I'm really happy to uh, have read Beyond the Point and pick that as my choice for a book club. And I am going to ask you guys what you thought of the book and what made this a pick for the book club, 
if you liked it or not, either way. Hi, I'm Pat. When I read this book, I tried to remember what those college years were like for me and what it was like for me to select a career and figure out the other aspects of my life. And this book did touch on three very different young ladies who started out with the same goal, but yet went in very different directions and uh, finding themselves and finding who they are, what their strengths were, uh, where they fit in with various contemporaries, be it male or female. So it just kind of was a reminiscent kind of thing of what was it like for a first love? What was it like to be away from home? And with the mother figure as well, I thought it was very interesting that they did build a mother figure into the book. Very often, you know, she would come and kind of quote unquote rescue them at various times. And that was a very interesting aspect. Hi, I'm Susan B. And I always, um, so I like to pick a book for a book club that brings us to a world that we don't, we're not familiar with. And um, I found this book to be very interesting in the, in terms of being introduced to a life at West Point that I really did not have any knowledge of and to understand how difficult people who go to West Point, how difficult it is for them. They're not just going to college, they're young people and they're going to school, but they're also, they're sacrificing and they have a real um, calling to do something more than just get an education. Hi, this is Madeline. I agree with Susan that what made it a good book club book was the fact that it was about West Point. In fact, I would have, I really enjoyed the specifics about West Point. I would have actually loved it if there was even more about what it was like to be a woman cadet at West Point. Um, I think it was a good choice for a book club. I think maybe we were a little bit older than the target audience for this particular group. Uh, this particular book, um, since they were, you know, getting out of college and just beginning their careers. Um, but there was still a lot in it, I think, of interest to us, um, particularly about the West Point aspect. Hi, this is Joanna. I think it was a great book about friendship. And it, in fact, uh, for me, resonated because the three girls uh, reminded me of people that I know and that have been friends or I've dismissed as friends. Um, so I think that that was something that resonated for me. Hello, this is Ricky. Um, I have a little bit of a different take here being Israeli. I grew up in Israel and I served in the Israeli army as well as was an officer in the Israeli Air Force, uh, which gave me this amazing perspective of how we girls were challenged during training, cried together, loved each other, <laughs> oh did silly things together, never had enough sleep, we would fall asleep standing, and the torture and the harassment, you name it, it was there. The bonding of girls is something so special. And I was so into it, and I felt young again. So <laughs> I disagree with the age group thing, because for me, I was in it. Um, the other thing that was the perspective that was very interesting to me is I didn't know much about West Point. I knew about the Israeli style. But guess what? The similarities are unbelievable. It is so much the same when you go into an elite group that they're trying to challenge to the limit that they, nobody thinks that they can handle, and then they can. 
Um, so from many elements, it was, to me, a very special book. When you were reading this, there were so many themes that I felt I picked up. And while I know, you know, some of you feel that it might be out of the age group, I felt that, yes, it was definitely people going to college, learning out of high school, learning how to adapt in the world in their early 20s. But I also felt that there were so many themes in there that I picked up on that I loved. Um, I'll just throw out one. We could talk more about others, but there was this whole episode about justice. What is justice? Mm -hmm. And Colonel Bennett was asking the class. So Hannah said, well, she thinks justice is things that you, um, what you do that's right when nobody's watching, what you feel is right. And of course, the conversation was about, well, you're told you shouldn't kill in the Bible, but you're told to kill Nazis. Yet the Nazis are, turn, are told to kill you. And there were a lot of situations like that. But the bottom line of that whole conversation that I loved was that these are going to be officers. These are people who are going to make life and death decisions. And so they're going to have to determine on the spot what is justice, what is right. Just because you're told it's right, does that mean it's right? Um, of course, if it's a rule, you have to feel you follow it, but that's what people say. I was just following rules. I was just following what I was ordered to do. So I thought I, I, that was one theme that I personally like. You know, let me know any thoughts that you might have. This is Ricky. Um, the 9-11 um, point somewhere in the, in the heart of the book, you know, to a young group, the initial reaction was, Okay, so are we going to go to war? We have the best army in the world. We're going to nip it in the bud, and it's going to be over. We're going to just, you know, we're going to win, and it's done. And then reality knocks that, unfortunately, it's not a regular army. It's not a country you're fighting against. It's a very strange, out-of-the-norm ideology that cannot be resolved just like that, and everybody's life gets into turmoil because of it. Then they have to go into missions in the Middle East. They don't know what's going to happen next, and nobody expects the worst. But if the book didn't have the worst, it wouldn't have been realistic, unfortunately. Natalie, obviously a lot of this book was about friendship. And something that, that it just kind of uh, struck me was that friendship may seem to be broken, but it can always be repaired. You know, Avery seemed to have kind of abandoned the other two, and she wasn't a good friend at all. Um, but then she really rallied. She helped Hannah tremendously. And it just made me think that sometimes even if a friendship, or I guess it could be any relationship, it has a rough spot, or maybe there's a time period where you don't have any contact at all, and maybe somebody hurts you or whatever, but it doesn't mean that it can't be repaired. Um, cause you can always hopefully come back and be friends again. Um, I think I'd love to ask a couple of questions selected by the editor as well. Um, and just dig down a little bit deeper into the actual story. Now, the novel opens with Danny, Avery, and Hannah, each choosing to go to West Point for different reasons. What are their motivations, and how does that set them up for disappointment and redemption later in the book? Um, I mean, I'll kick it off by saying that um, their motivations were so different. Danny um, being the perfect athlete, the perfect uh, 
SAT scores, everything was great, but she was only being recognized for her ability on the court and she resented that. So West Point, when the coach came and tried to woo her, seemed to be something that she would love because she said, the coach said, I'll heal you, I'll give you all you need for your mind and your body and for your soul to grow. Avery needed to set an example for her brother. She was going down the wrong path, too many wild parties. She knew this wasn't right. And she needed to prove to herself probably, and to her brother especially, that she could do it. Her family also was horribly dysfunctional. And I think were, were, was obviously the reason I, for her going down a lot of the path that she went on and became involved in in the book. And Hannah, you know, Hannah was just um, somebody who was impressed with the army from an early age. And it her was, yeah, right. Yeah. right. Her, her grandfather. grandfather. She mm-hmm. was living up to She's, an expectation. Yeah. Right. This is Susan W. But with Hannah, it was interesting because her grandfather tried to dissuade her yeah. from joining because he had been to war. And I, he, his, his son didn't join the military and he was not anxious for his daughter to do so. And I was trying to compare that to our deceased Senator John McCain, who was a legacy grandfather, father, he and his sons. But the grandfather of Hannah really, because he had seen war, did not want her to go. Susan B., I was thinking about these three women who made a choice to do this at a very young age and how responsible and how mature these people are. When you think about your own children or you think about yourself go at 17, 18 years old, thinking of what college to go to, it, 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 for me, it never entered my mind to think of going to something where I, or, or I didn't even know what a calling was, not to say that I would have a calling. I mean, now that we're talking about it, to think about the people who actually go to West Point, who feel that they have something to give back and they feel that they want, they have such a sense of responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. It really is very interesting. This is Pat. Um, thinking, about, thinking about the three young ladies who were the highlights of the book, it's interesting that Danny was African-American she was the only African-American, I think, if I recall it, they highlighted yeah. in the book and how they presented her as super in every way, brilliant and an athlete and a good friend and, and intelligent and successful. And I wondered why they chose to make her um, disabled. I wonder what that was all about, because that didn't seem... They didn't really explain how she got injured and how that ended. It was her arthritis. Arthritis. It was arthritis. 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 Yeah, but it, it, it was too. It, it didn't didn't ring true to me. You know that all of a sudden, at the peak of her career as a young woman, she would be this disabled all of a sudden, um, and how that impacted her. This is Joanna. I wasn't so sure that Avery had any kind of higher calling. My sense was that Avery was running from, mm-hmm. not running to. Okay. And so I think that that is also a reality for people who make many different choices, uh, not just running to some kind of, and Linda, you mentioned her family was so dysfunctional. Was she running 
to something that she thought would give her the rigor and the boundaries that she had never gotten at home. Whereas I think Hannah and Danny were different, were, were definitely different characters. That's a good point. Good so point. excellent, actually. Uh, but now the next part, the next question really, that's I think an important part of the book is of course, love and relationships with men. Um, and it says, Danny, Avery, and Hannah pursue love and relationships with men in different ways. Do any of them handle it well? Which is kind of curious because, you know, you think about Hannah, Hannah and Tim, um, you wonder, you know, what they could have done or should they have done things differently? You think of Danny and Locke and you think about, well, why didn't she say anything? There were so many opportunities. Why didn't he make a move? And I, my aforementioned friend that I've known since I was 10 and I started going out with in Binghamton for a year, it was the same thing. We, I, we both had a crush on each other for years, but we were afraid to do anything about it because we didn't want to ruin our friendship. So we became boyfriend and girlfriend. And within a year, he broke up with me and it was devastating because he was my life. He's the only person I knew in my life. Um, and he needed to move on and grow. And in the end, not at the time, I was devastated, but we fought, we stayed friends. He's still one of my best friends to this day, but it was hell and it was hard, I have to tell you. But I think we're really more brother and sister in the end. And I started to see that with Danny and Locke as I was looking at it through my lens, because they just had something there, but wasn't enough, I don't think, to be long-standing. Um, and I guess that was with me and my friend in hmm. the end. It was more friendship. Yeah, and more. no, it was more friendship, right, Madeline? And Avery, you know, we all know about Avery. And, and then I think we'll explore a little bit more her situation um, with the photographs and then going after them. But we'll do that a little bit later, if you don't mind. But, you know, yeah. What a, what a sad story, but how many people did we know, do we hear about today? They go after one boyfriend after another. It's the way to prove they're popular to themselves, to others, but it's never fulfilling and they're never getting what they need because they don't have their own self-value and self-worth. So that's a lot of, lot to learn for somebody, but that's what I find college was so fantastic because you learn a lot about yourself, I think. Or you start to see things from uh, that others around you are doing and learning. And it really gives you insight into growing up and what that there is other ways to do things in life. And maybe that's why Avery resented Hannah, who seems so perfect and happy. That's why maybe she was furious when Tim cheated on her by kissing another girl and Hannah took her back. She's like, why are you doing that? He treated you like all the guys treated me. You're better than that. You know, but she saw that that worked and you just have to find the right person to work with. So, I mean, what do you guys feel about, about the relationships that they had and how it relates to things that you saw and learned in your life as well? Hi, this is Pat. The relationship that struck me the most in the book was the one between Hannah and Tim. And I realized how young they really were and how they were almost invincible in their mind's eyes. Here they were going off to war, but they were invincible. Nothing she was planning. We're going to have our whole lives. And I don't think they ever really consciously addressed the issue that they may not have had a future. 
And I was really very caught up in the chapters that dealt with her grieving after his death and how they handled that and the emotions that she went through. And what I kept shouting to myself that I wanted her to hear is, you're 22 years old, you'll get over this, there's a life ahead. And that's finally the conclusion she came to like two months later when she went back to the military. But it was all from a developmental point of view, she was still like teenagers are invincible, nothing bad ever happens to us. And then when this awful thing did happen, how she dealt with it, you know, that it took her a long time to realize, hey, you know, these things happen. And I do have a life, I'm young. You know, she was planning her whole life at the age of 22 and, you know. Hi, it's Joanna. I really agree with what you just said, particularly about Hannah and Tim and that feeling of invincibility. But I also think there really is no way, no one way to have a relationship. I think every relationship is, I think the key pieces are that every relationship is unique and you need to get that. And that every relationship is work and that life can present more than one relationship as you said, Linda. I mean, we, at the time, we get very involved as Avery got very involved with all of the men that she encountered and this Noah um, in particular, but um, life moves on and relationships um, come and go and are all very unique. So that they had relationships with men and those relationships were very different to me is representative of what is real in life. Oh, this is Susan B. They all were so young I was gonna say, and they didn't even know who they were. They actually went to a college that didn't give them any choices as we talked about before. So they even had more of a difficulty of knowing who they were. Um, there are many relationships that come together at very young ages and they live wonderful lives and are married for 50, 60 years. But in general, and again, from where I'm sitting at my age, I can see that when people are, you know, young people in college have to find out who they really are. I got married at 22 and, and I'm still married, which is amazing. <laughs> but, but I am a different person than I was at 22 and 32 and 42. So my perspective is, you know, yes, they all made mistakes, but that's what, what you do when you're young. Growing up, right. Right. Hi, this is Mary. Um, No, I do think, as Susan said, Susan B, that it's naivete and that um, they were very immature and they really hadn't lived life and they were living in an environment where all these rules were set for them. Break out of these rules. Uh, this is Susan W. Well, when I was in college a hundred years ago, uh, <laughs> the, the, the guys were not allowed above the first floor and uh, there were no co-ed dorms and there were no co-ed bathrooms. And uh, life is very different now and it's Maybe it's better, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm I'm really not sure if it's better. The the essence of this book was friendship. I think it was friendship between the girls, and 
they face their own crises. So I guess the question is, in what ways do they show up for one another in the pages of this book? And what can we learn from their friendship in the way that you relate to your friends moving forward? And maybe we'll even expand that to say each other now, because we've become friends over the last five years. And it's a surprise, I think, to all of us um, and a wonderful surprise. Um, but anyway, uh, does anyone want to uh, tackle that? This is Joanna. Um, I think for me, I have very high expectations. And Madeline said something that may or may not be true. I'm not sure, but I'm open to it. (laughs) I mean, and that is that never say never, you know, in terms of relationships being repaired. Um, I mean, there are relationships that have fallen apart for me with, with friends and we often dig in our heels and we decide what's right. And I have a very strong sense of what's right and wrong, um, or I think I do. And it's certainly not objective, it's subjective. Um, and everybody has their own reality, their own subjective reality. So um, in this book, there was a lot of disappointment, particularly Avery disappointing everyone. Um, and it isn't, it, it's sometimes harder to be a good friend when things are going well for people than it is to be a good friend when things are not going well for people. So I think everybody has to make that decision for themselves, but I can appreciate that forgiveness comes into the picture and that things can be repaired. Sometimes. I believe in friendships, especially that you pick your friends and and you cannot pick your family members. (laughs) I have learned in my lifetime that often a few very, very close friends do way, way better in coming through for you when you need them than family. And I've seen it in health challenges, Mm -hmm. I have seen it in whatever, needing networking or whatever that is. I have a very good friend that I met here when we were both immigrants, but I was a newer immigrant. And we, the children met and we both needed somebody to help with emergencies with children, to put in our will, God forbid something happens to us. It became a very serious, heavy relationship because both of us did not want our children to be raised somewhere else out of the United States after a few years of being here. So it really bonded us very well. But that specific friend has some weaknesses. She's not good in making social commitments. So forgiveness comes into play. If you think the relationship is worth a lot, uh, then you may forgive for silly things I cooked for her and she didn't come or things that are less deep. Um, and that's how I've learned how to make my choices. And then somebody will say, you're still friends with her? And I say, hell yes, and we are bloody good friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this is Susan W. Um, I think it's very unusual at our age, and I say our generation, for those of us who are retired and have grandchildren, that we make new friends. And I have to say that this book group, which is really 
um, an offshoot of us meeting through our Zumba dance classes that I have new friends that I never expected to happen at this stage in my life. And it's very much appreciated. This is Madeline, and you can't see us, but we're all nodding and smiling around the table because I think this, this Zumba friendship that has formed has been important to all of us. And when Susan said that, it just made me think of a, a couple of years ago, um, a woman I used to work with um, said something, and she was about the same, I, uh, same age I was, and she had an opportunity to meet some new people, and she said, I'm not going to go to that because I have all the... I have enough friends right now. I, I have all the friends I'm ever going to need. I never am going to need any new ones. And that struck me as odd at the time. And now that I've had this experience of making the new friends around this table, I really feel like she was wrong about that. Because <laughs> um, you really can, I guess, at whatever phase in life, um, meet new people and, and you know form friendships. And sometimes I feel bad. I don't know if it's different for men, but my husband doesn't have this. Um, he doesn't have this, and I feel badly sometimes that he that he doesn't. This is Susan Bates. Just to get back to the book, um, when you have shared experiences, especially such intense experiences like Danny, Avery, and Hannah had, you do bond. You bond on that. Many times, you know, they didn't share a lot, but they shared this. And then what happened was they all went in different directions. And, you know, Danny went to London and she was in business and one and, and Hannah was going to war and Avery was still finding herself in in uh, at Fort Bragg. So naturally, this is a natural thing that happens. It happens with all of us. There are friends that I had that I don't speak to anymore because they were friends that I worked with and I don't work anymore. But if you really like somebody and you care about somebody and they care about you, then you have to make an, a real effort when that happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what was happening in the book, it seemed that the effort wasn't there until they really needed each other. And hopefully that will continue that effort. I am going to thank everyone for a terrific conversation. And um, thank everybody listening for joining the Zumbets Book Club <laughs> for a discussion of Claire Gibson's Beyond the Point. And what was interesting is I know a lot of us liked it. A lot of us had questions that they wanted a little bit more or they had different insights into it than others. But I think this has led to a really good conversation with a lot of themes and a lot of poignant links to today and our lives in general. But as always at Zumbets, thank you for a terrific book club and we'll see you in Zumba. Yeah.